This is Born for Penguin. We are your hosts, Holly and Brian. We're strength coaches and weightlifters here at the Resilient Strength, which I own. And I also coach athletic performance at Hunapur Sarah High School. And together we'll explore through strength, culture, philosophy, adventure, and more. Welcome. We're back. We're back. Uh, good to be back. Yeah. Uh, it's been three months. It's been a long time. Um. So we're going to give a little life update, which is also going to explain some really strange sounds that are in the background. Yeah, I feel like when you started talking about like, yeah, we should probably do a life update. I was like, oh yeah, like what's happened? I was like, oh, a bunch. Oh, so much. Like literally so much. So um, I guess the the first thing is that we got two little munchkins. Yeah, two little munchkins that are uh, canine yes. munchkins. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so they are currently dragging one of them is currently dragging their crate across the living room floor while the other one sort of antagonizes yeah um the situation so that's the situation we got ourselves into and then in three days we're gonna put them on a fucking plane and try to take them to florida we're just gonna fly across the country with dive yeah so we'll do some some diving and hopefully some (laughs) fresh water and hang out with two six pound uh terrorists yes yeah yeah we introduced some terrorists into our very lovely life um and very busy life for some reason we thought that that would be a good idea i mean i love them so much i love them so much um but they are they are uh they definitely they do like a jumping off each other's back sometimes quite literally but like uh in terms of finding trouble it's like yes. one of them's like i found a little bit of trouble and one's like oh i can do a little bit better oh than yeah that. i got you and i'm like i can do more than that yeah and you're like and by the if you like turn away for 30 seconds you're like you guys are up to some shit oh know? yeah oh yeah yeah it's a disaster um i came up earlier from training and um uh kilo uh which is if you see pictures of him the blonde one um had uh, figured out how to get completely out of his crate by unzipping the top zipper. Um, so that's the situation we're in now, is the dogs actively know how to um, do that. Yeah, they know how to break out of whatever situation they're in, um, except for the one that I think Holly's about to put them in right now. No, they're, they're, they're going to be okay. They're, they're roaming free for now, assuming uh, Lalo doesn't decide to just hysterically throw his entire <laughs> physical self against the baby gate. Yeah. Um, that we're keeping up so that the apartment is clean at some fucking point in our <laughs> lives. Uh, uh, parents of human babies, how, 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 how do you do it? How do you, how do you function? Uh, you are heroes and, um... Yeah. And it is amazing. It is a very amazing thing. So um, that's one life update. Uh, one life update there. Um, other life update. We swam with a whale. Yeah. So like uh, in many, many, many episodes, we sort of like walked through last year or uh, walked through together the process of becoming more aquatic, right? Like yeah. you guys sort of started with us in pretty much the beginning of the journey there. Yeah. It's one of the first few episodes is like breathing free diving meditation right where we're like this is so cool right 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 where we talked about uh like go back and listen to that episode i really feel proud of that episode still um and um and we really like thought a lot about free diving and moved 
ourselves slowly and meticulously towards god they're terrorists okay we're back we're back <laughs> um again, um, again human parents of human babies don't know how, how they all do it how do you do it if you yeah. cannot put them in a crate um okay so we spent a lot of time like in the process of uh of of getting to the point where we could dive like right. we did to meet whales right like and all of the like steps of like learning how to be comfortable on paddle boards right the, which is one of the crazy things to me is like we didn't like go out in a boat with uh out in the open ocean with like someone guiding us and sonar and stuff we just sat in a bay on paddle boards and let a whale come to us right yeah so uh so in short whales are so big they are so big. They're so big. And when there is a very, very large alien moving towards you in a in a world where you can't breathe to access it, like it has decided it wants to come near you and you have decided you want to get in the water with it. All of those things are beautiful and magical and we see these Instagram posts about how incredible and peaceful and whatever and all those things are fucking it's true. 100% true. The other thing that's true is when there is like, uh, you know, a semi-truck of an animal moving rapidly towards you uh, in the deep ocean, it's like, oh my god, this is horrifyingly scary. I feel like a couple things, like, I had no sense of like aggression or danger or anything right? right like those feelings weren't in there it's just like a a, a recognition of like i'm not in control and right. this thing is so bitch bigger than me right also it does it is singing right the whole time like you put your face right. in the water and it's like very whale song. very loud whale song right right like multiple videos where we get get whale song and it's like that's a crazy experience you're like if just to, if like it wasn't other otherworldly enough already just to add that like piece on top of it you're like this is completely an alien world where it sounds looks feels everything feels is different like the physics of it are changed the absolutely and like the whale song it's like hard to it's hard to express how brilliantly uh I'm trying to get the word insane out of my vocabulary, mm -hmm. but like this is a situation where like I don't know how to explain how wild it is to be in the water hearing that song. And we just got back from another trip to Kona because we're not good at staying away from that place. Right. Largely, we spent most of the time in that exact bay, right. um, which is also consequently where we're going to get married at we're the end married. of the year. Hey. hey. Um, and uh, and we went this time during the peak of breeding season, uh -huh. and the song in the in the water was just absolutely amazing. And we learned that you can actually dive into the coral, and it gets louder. Yeah, it like um, bounces off the coral, like this crazy acoustics, and it was so loud. Right. We uh, saw a lot of whales. None of them decided to hang out this time around. No, none of them decided to hang out with us, and that's okay. Um, so uh, after that, a uh, very large pot of dolphins <laughs> entered the bay and began playing with this baby whale uh, who fin slapped and jumped and seemed to be having a good old time. Yeah. Uh, and then we swam with it more, and also the dolphins who also stole... Um... <laughs> uh, I always forget about that. I know. So, uh, do you want to... Sure. I mean, there's an uncountable number of dolphins is, like, the only way to describe it. Right, like, hundreds. There are... Yeah, hundreds seems reasonable to me. Right. 
I have no idea. It was just dolphins everywhere you look. It's right. Like turtles all the way down. Right. Um, it was just the world on top of a back of a dolphin. Um, right. And then, like, we're swimming, and, like, the dolphins are, like, really, really playful. We, like, swam away from our boards a little ways, and I had my, uh, I guess it was my backup mask, because I was wearing my, my, my mask. Yeah, we brought a backup mask that time, because uh, on our previous trip to San Diego, like, all of our dives got just totally fucked because yeah. of our masks leaking. Right. And so we got new masks, but we bought, brought backup masks, too. Right, and my mask was, like, all fogging up, and anyway, I think... Yeah, you were also having issues with your mask. But, like, I figured that out. Anyway. Right. Toothpaste uh, is incredible. Toothpaste, <laughs> toothpaste and spit, as it turns out, like really does a trick on, on masks. Um, some of disgusting human being. Uh, no, diving is just a really disgusting thing. Uh, like, like, there's, we should do an episode on how icky diving is. That's a really good call. Um, it's, I also love it. Oh, yeah, no, I totally love it. I mean, we did kind of get skin disease, but that's okay. Yeah, we recovered quick. I mean, anyway, back to the dolphins. Yeah, I mean, it's a very feral situation, which I like to get into that feral state as much as possible. Um, but yeah, the dolphins are like, like full, they go over to our boards. And they just knock off my mask. And then run away with it. And run away with it. I'm like, that's amazing. They was, did it on purpose. Yeah, it was not. I was not even remotely mad. They're like, bump it. Because I, I hear this sound. We watched it happen. And then saw it happen. And they're like, got it. And they're like, fucking peace. Yeah, it was very, very, very funny. So I like to imagine that somewhere there's a dolphin that's just like, check wearing... my stupid human mask. I'm being a human. And like, <laughs> wearing it around. I mean, I know that's not true. But... That would be so incredible. Just looking like a steampunk dolphin <laughs> under the water. <laughs> Got like little fucking uh, fingerless gloves on. Right. You dick. Um, um, okay, other life updates. Um, COVID seems to have kind of backed off a little bit, so we've got classes, and that's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, things are Apparently, rolling around here. my parents and family are coming to class tonight. Fuck yeah. Which could be really cool. Hopefully it's really cool. Um, and, uh, and then I guess we're here. We're back. Um, so we're back to talk about sobriety yeah today we want to talk about sobriety which i'm I really really excited about this topic it's like one that's been kind of like i think it's um you know sometimes you have like the big thing that you you're like you're that you want to do you're excited about but you're just like not ready to take it on i'm really excited to take to, to talk about it today yeah this has been one that we've been kicking around for a long time because sobriety is pretty intensely important in both of our lives but um yeah my in- life would not may not be without sobriety like mm. just full stop i'd be dead without sobriety for yeah, sure 100%. um but we came to it in very different ways and it has manifested in our lives in incredibly different ways mm-hmm. um and so i think that that's really valuable but i also think that like we don't talk about sobriety enough in that we don't talk about how rad it is and how many benefits you get in your life. Like, yeah. my experience with the narrative around sobriety is that it is, like, this big hardship um, based around your uh, inability to do the thing that everyone else can do. Right. Um, which I think is absolutely complete bullshit. Yeah. And that, like, sobriety is actually, like, a really incredible tool, which is how I looked at it uh, for a lot of my life. Yeah. Um, so, like, growing up... Sobriety to me was uh, was called straight edge, mm-hmm. um, and as an adult, I uh, learned about people who got sober in later life, right. which uh, is another way of saying all of my still alive friends. Um, right. So <laughs> we uh, we wanted to start with uh, like why like why did we choose this sobriety thing and and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this over your way because it was a more recent decision for you. Yeah, totally. Not sobriety, 
uh, ceased to be an option. Like, it was pretty clear that, like, um, I couldn't uh, keep going the way I was going. Um, and, like, you know, whatever, there's all these terms of, like, high bottom, low bottom, all that stuff. Like, I didn't lose my job. I didn't, like, I wasn't homeless. I wasn't all these things. But, like, it doesn't really matter because, like, at a certain point you get to, you know, and, and I'm not going to speak to anyone else's story, but, like, there's a moment where you're like, nah, that's enough, right? Like, that's, that's, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and, you know, for me it was, and I posted about this recently, it was pretty clear that, like, it was either going to be, you know, not to be melodramatic, it was either going to be life or death. Like, you know, I saw the writing on the wall. Like, I could continue going down this way, um, and it would lead to, you know, maybe I could hang on for a while or whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but it was clear that it was unacceptable. Um, and, you know, more than that, it really felt like um, I was a spectator in my life as opposed to the active participant. Like, so, um, you know, choosing sobriety um, was, and I didn't, it's the fucking crazy thing is I had no idea at the time, right? Like, at the time, what I knew was like, not this. Um, and did not realize that there was, um, what I would get out of it is all these things which we'll talk about later on, but like right. all this like agency and whatnot. Um, but really, you know, what it came down to is I like, I wasn't present in my life. Um, I wasn't showing up for the people in the way that I wanted to. Um, and I had a, a good friend from like high school who's, um, you know, gave me this image that was really powerful, which was like, you know, when you feel that, that, that pain, the next day, usually what it is, is like, imagine 80 year old you looking back at your life and being like. Are you either like shaking your head or like nodding appropriately? Like, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, like I was like, oh man, that's a lot of shaking his head. But like <laughs> eighty-year-old Brian's like, those are some bad years. Right. And I was just tired of having bad years. You know, right. like pretty simple. I was like, um, tired of having bad years and tired of being someone that people didn't didn't want to show up or like wanted to show up, um, but were like, uh, I don't know, I don't know which version we're gonna get. You know. Right. Um, and I didn't want to be that person anymore. And I think that that can be a really challenging choice, especially when you have, like, uh, mitigating factors, right? So, like, I know a lot of folks that I've talked to have um, struggled with how to be social after sobriety. Right. Uh, when you have anxiety or social anxiety, when you're neurodivergent, when right. you have ADHD, like, uh, when you have trauma... It can be really, really challenging to be in especially large group settings and be stone cold sober. Yeah. Um, and when you make the decision to to be sober for the rest of your life or you take the step into that, which becomes that, you have to face a world where now you are going to be in those group environments and those social environments um, and you don't have the uh, the softening effects of, of alcohol. So how did that play out for you? I went to a meeting and find out about what this whole sober thing was and I remember like dressing up all nice and wearing my like squeaky dress shoes and walking, <laughs> walking. because you didn't know what to wear to an A. yeah I have no idea right <laughs> I'm like no one there's that's not in like the guidebook or like whatever and I think you know like you point this out like I thought it was this like badge of dishonor right this whole thing of like oh my god I can't do it right it was giving up right and and um and realizing like walking in and being like, yeah, but like, what do you, what do you do? <laughs> like, what do you do? Right. Um, with 
uh, your your time. How do you interact with people? Like everyone, you know, all my friends were drinkers. Of like, course. Maybe that's natural. You just gravitate around that. Like, and you know, I remember asking the question. I don't know. If, apparently, I was in a real, just honest state, which has been the the single best thing. <laughs> that if I you know have any advice, like sooner you can get really really honest the better it goes like do i do i like i don't know if i can hang out with my friends um with you people and they're like you know i was like is that possible and they're like maybe you know like um you know you might lose some friends and you know i was like i didn't like that at the time right um and i was really really nervous about like yeah exactly how my you know i didn't know another way to quiet my brain find any sort of like serenity around amongst other people right um because i hadn't really spent a lot of time developing those skills right like right. mostly what i knew was like work and i was like good at function right because i like that fits in my brain right and i was good at not work and not work usually you know like socializing usually has some element of of drinking in it and right. um you know so yeah going into that stone cold sober was like uh really really intimidating and you know it's like like anything else you know, it's like, it's intimidating because you don't know it. Right. But you get through it. Right. Better yeah. for me. Right. At least, like, way better. I mean, I don't talk to anybody who ha has become sober who doesn't say that. <laughs> like, I don't know anyone who's like, you know, you might be like, oh, man, we had some good times. Right. But, like, n literally nobody I know who or, or have ever talked to about sobriety isn't like, it's, like, the best thing I've ever done for myself. It's so much better. Right. Or some narrative around that, right? Like, right. And I, it might be, like, you know, I, I wish I could have continued to aggressively do cocaine because partying is tight. And, like, I get that. Right. But, like, healthy life and, like, connection to yourself and others and, like, you know, achievement in your in your experience that isn't just partying right. is also beneficial. So, like, we're mostly talking about alcohol sobriety, but, like, we're both also just sober. Right. I mean, right. you can talk about any kind of sobriety you want. I'm like, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not like a hard, like, you work, I just drank coffee, you're drinking coffee. So I'm you... drinking coffee and I use edibles to go to sleep, right? So, like, there, there's like, a, there's an element of that that is, uh, is squishier on the edges, which I think is really important. Uh, and I'm going to talk about when I get to straight edge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, like, yeah, I, I can't think of anyone who's like, I've never heard the story I've heard. I'm struggling. I'm going through these life things. I'm learning how to feel them. I'm, right. I'm like this, that, and the other. No one's been like, man, though. Like, it's just this. This is a mistake. <laughs> like, oh, I just no. That's wrong. because I mean, like, I mean, and part of the reason you never hear that is because you know the the unfortunate truth is a lot of those folks uh, they go back out. Right. Right. Like, go back out and see. Right. Um, and it's you know uh, I've seen a lot more of come back and it's not good. Right. Um, and that. You know, that does break my heart. But, like, yeah, it's way better. Oh, my God, it's so much better. <laughs> it's just, like, I mean, it was, I remember, like, and, again, I, I feel like I keep on going into, like, benefits. I want to I want to talk about straight edge as right. well. But, like, just the one thing I remember, like, initially feeling, being like, oh, I am 17 years old. Can you say what you mean by that? Yeah, like, I am uh, present to my life in a way I haven't been. I can, like think through things clearly right um i have like weekends that are like i do shit right and like um you know i'm just like not uh vacillating between uh working and being horribly stressed out all the time 
which are like basically the two states that knew, which is like super unhealthy way to live where you're like, right. the only thing that calms you down is like being required to be working. Right. Was able to uh, slow down a little bit, um, which I'm notoriously bad at, and as you very much know. Um, we share this. <laughs> but like. I mean, it's part of having a, an addiction personality. Right. Right? Like, I, I get addicted to fucking everything. Like, I always joke that, like, um, the cornbread crisps from Trader Joe's can't be in my house. So, right. like, I could not do, like, a, a real drug. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be a disaster. Like, right. the amount of time I spend thinking about cornbread crisps when they're in my uh, in my cabinet is, like, is totally unacceptable. And that's, like, a slightly sweet cracker from Trader Joe's. So, like, if that was, like, crack cocaine, I would 100% be dead. Be I'd be dead. Nightmare. I'd be super dead. And, like, I, I think it's, like, it's crazy. This whole, like, thing of, like, Oh my god, you, uh, this addictive poison is poisoning you. Right. What's wrong with you? And we'll talk about this more later on. But, like, just flipping that script of, like, no, no, like, what's right, right. With, with choosing this um, was really uh, transformative. And, like, I found myself, you know, I wasn't great at, like, taking 15 minutes, but I got better at, like, 15 minutes of, like, just being in my thoughts. And right. Thinking and being still. Um, and it was like, I mean, life changing. It was, it was life in a way that I had never considered before. And like to be able to show up for people and all that kind of stuff was like that. That's why I got sober. Right. Right. And, and I think it's like, cool. Like, um, so from my perspective, like straight edge is, uh, is like radical sobriety, right? Like, so I never really had the, like, uh, you know, narrative around getting sober because, um, straight edge is like sober and fuck you. Uh, uh, and, and, and that really appealed to me because I grew up in, you know, an alcoholic family, um, and like all that comes with that. And I saw the problems with addiction and with alcohol culture and largely because of punk rock and because of being heavily involved in music also bar culture Mm -hmm. and like i saw what what alcohol did to people and so like what's interesting is that like in in like my cultural worldview i had to like actually back back out of it and see why the fuck anybody would drink right right because like i did it when i was a kid i did some shit that wasn't what kids should be doing um but like I started claiming straight edge at 12 years old, right? Right. So, like, um, I didn't have the, you know, learning to feel your feelings again. I didn't learn the, or I didn't have the, like, how do I have friends? How do I have fun? Stuff like that. Like, because I started there, right? Right. Like, I started with fairly aggressive punk rock politics around it. It was like, oh, you motherfuckers have to drink to have fun? That's stupid. Right. Like, why are you poisoning yourself, right? And, right. like, and I had a really robust um, musical culture around that. Right. That supported me. Right. So you have, like, anthems for this thing that you're doing. Right, yeah, right, which right. Which fucking matters, right? But worth noting, right, is that I didn't meet another person who was straight edge until I was 18 years old. I started yeah. claiming when I was 12. Um, and I met him, uh, really, uh, became a really close friend of mine. But I met him the night he uh, he broke straight edge. He right. started drinking, right? And I didn't actually have a, like a robust straight edge culture until like my like very late teens, early twenties, mm-hmm. um, where like I started to meet vegan straight edge kids and like have have that like cultural thing. So like in a sense, I did have to learn to constantly be around alcohol culture, right? 
And that made me, like, a very militantly aggressive person in that way. Yeah. Right? Um, but, yeah, so uh, just, just like, to back out of this, just in case anybody doesn't know what straight edge is, um, because oh, I yeah. just realize that people often don't, and oh, yeah. it's kind of, like, a thing that people don't know very much about anymore. Yeah, it's kind of, so what is straight edge? Oh, thank you for that question. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so straight edge is, like, a radical punk rock uh, culture based around <clears throat> late 80s, um band called Minor Threat. Uh, they had a song uh, about being straight edge that is uh, don't drink, don't smoke, don't fuck. Um, and that, you know, has been bastardized into many different versions that people love, love, love to, to pick apart because um, what folks who either don't want to understand or it's easier not to understand um, people that do things that they don't do mm-hmm. or more accurately people who don't do the things that they do do yeah. um like to find the most extreme versions so that became hardline in the um in the early 90s which was like a overly religious attached to multiple sort of middle eastern religions um that became very militant uh and to me had very christian values but apparently was around some middle eastern religious stuff but it was all bastardized and bullshit like suburban white kids trying to like just be harder than each other and do some stupid shit um basically like a a a pissing contest of right and then there was courage crew which was like a similar thing of definitely christian values that came out of the midwest um but like for the for the most part it is uh it is like a radical sobriety based on the idea that um you don't need or want the crutches that uh, society gives you to deal with the fucking bullshit that we have in our lives. <laughs> right. And instead, we just uh, deal with the bullshit in our lives, like, presently. Right. Right? Um, and so I kind of was really big into what we called uh, sex positive uh, straight edge. And so what I said was, uh, I don't drink, I don't uh, smoke, and um, no God. Like, <laughs> right, I mean, uh, and so I kind of went in a different anti-religious perspective right. because I was sick of being slut-shamed. Um, and, uh, and I found that to be much more positive um, because punk rock in the 80s was, and I guess... Is. I don't know if punk rock is still around in Punk's a way not that dead. like <laughs> Punk's not dead. It's like tangible, but like yeah. you know, most of punk rock and hardcore is pretty uh pretty masculine, pretty hyper masculine. Yeah, yeah. Um and so a lot of the things sort of like based around that and uh and we took it in a different direction. Um we being me and a bunch of other vegan straight edge girls that I hung with for a long time. I like I like that you took like a a, a Marxist Leninist approach. You're like I'm gonna I'm gonna deny the various opiates of the masses masses that are provided to deal with the fucking bullshit of capitalist post industrial uh, reality. Right. Uh, just hard pass on that whole collection of things. Right. And I'm gonna live my life and take it on head on. Exactly. Um, and it also had a lot to do with activism. And I think that this is a really important thing that people don't talk about very often. And that is how damaging uh, inebriants are to. Um, to movements, to like, social l- movements and justice movements. Literally every revolution. Literally every one, um, minus the Zapatistas, uh, which the women actually came and said, um, no. Stop drinking. This movement needs to not involve alcohol because this is an obviously oppressive force um, right. in our lives. So that's a whole thing that, like, holy shit, we could do an entire episode on and <laughs> right. maybe we should. Um, but, Ooh. like... Uh, just a, just a, uh, 
a Strange Histories episode. Oh, ooh, I love that. I okay. mean, I like, if I had all the time in the world, I would have another podcast that was um, like the forgotten movements and people of not just athletic history, but history in general. Um, like nobody ever talks about the incredible black athletes that went to the Olympics in Berlin in the thirties. Uh, like you hear about Jesse Owens, that's it. Yeah. You don't talk about how women were in baseball until women got too good for baseball. And then we got kicked the fuck out because Babe Ruth and shit was pissed. Right. Like we don't talk about these things or like female freedom fighters in like Kurdistan. We don't talk about those motherfuckers. We only talk about the men and it sucks. I'm trying to remember who's the... It was the female pitcher that struck out, like, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. I don't know, I can't remember. Yeah, I think her name was Lucy, but I could be wrong there. Anyways, uh, we also, digress. Or, like, uh, Jenny Finch, who just embarrassed every single Major League Baseball player. Fucking recently. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. We, we, we yeah. uh, clearly did this episode. So, um, I was really involved in activism for the majority of my life. Um, some people would say I still am, but in a totally different way. So, street activism and, like, more aggressive radical activism... Um, and when I looked at the history, when I started reading, uh, zines and, and really getting into books, cause I didn't become more radical until after 9-11. So around 14, 15. Um, so once I started digging into this history, which I just started devouring, um, I, I looked at it over and over and over. Um, you see like the push of inebriants into, um, into social justice and uh, and and radical activism, and it just takes all the wind out of the sails. Yeah. And so for me, Straight Edge was a tool to be a more effective activist as well. Um, right. I didn't really feel like I could show up and change the world if I was fucked up. Right. Um, and the people that I saw getting fucked up were not changing the world, even though they had really good politics. Right. Um, and then I I started looking into uh, you know oppressed groups and that uh, inebriants have been used over and over and over to continue to oppress groups, right? right? Like, you see that with crack cocaine, you see that with alcohol, you see that in, in many different cultures, and... Um, uh, opiates at this moment in time. Exactly, opiates at this moment in time. And so uh, I really started to be like, I, you know, from, from the uh, class background that I'm at, I can easily be brought down by this. Also, my activism is 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 clear and present and aware and focused, and I can't do that if I'm inebriated. Um, yeah. And so, so, so that kind of like covers like my why, yeah. you know, a bit without being even more long-winded than I actually fucking am. Right. Um, but yeah. So, uh, so you said you wanted to talk about the insanity of not sobriety. Do you want to touch on that, or are you looking something up on your phone right now? I am looking something up because like when you talked about like um, this. Uh, this is like one of the when you're talking about like uh, being present to your activism and right. being and like these movements uh, being uh, destroyed from the with basically I think of it as like destroyed from within right like if you have uh, alcohol culture within there like they take the wind out of the sails they like implode essentially right um, this is just like this was a really important piece of a poem that you just triggered in my head that I'm going to read now. Amazing. <laughs> because this was like a thing like in getting sober that because I just obsess about words. Um, but it's like from this uh, poem to Elsie uh, by Will, uh, William Carlos Williams, which is always a name that I have a hard time remembering because two of his names are almost the same. Um, I mean, they are the same. It's just a plural. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, uh, while the imagination strains after deer going by fields of golden ride, rod in the stifling heat of September, somehow it seems to destroy us. It is only an isolate flex that something has given off, 
no one to witness and adjust, no one to drive the car. Um, which just like has this pastoral image that I'm always drawn to. Yeah. Like, and then like with the, like it seems to destroy us and like, the like and that was very much the feeling of the insanity of it of like no right. one to witness and adjust. There was no one to witness. Right. And make adjustments in life or movements or right. You know, it's just kind of like aimless, right? Right, right, right. So, uh, so that's like the why. <laughs> okay. Uh, and. Deep. I just want to like take a moment to talk about all the things that you fucking get when you're sober totally. that you don't have when you're not sober. And uh, one of them is uh, I'm gonna start with mornings. Mornings. Um, oh boy. So, so like it was an interesting experience um, watching so many of my friends and family get sober um, in the late late 20s of my life and early 30s. Um, and being present to the fact that um, so many people are waking up on a daily basis or at least a large chunk of their week uh, feeling really, really bad. Really, really, really bad. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and I often think about this in the mornings because uh, this is not a secret. You and I wake up very, very early and yeah. do a lot. Um, and we wouldn't be able to do that if it weren't for sobriety. No, it's literally not functional. I mean, like, the gift of, of morning, the gift of waking up um, without all the things that involve, uh, the, for me personally, that were uh, a hangover. Right. Uh, just, like, not having that as part of your life. Like, I haven't been, I haven't been hungover in uh, quite some time now. Right. And, like, that is really unbelievably amazing and like i know it's so simple right like right. it's like oh you know you don't have a headache but like it's so much more than it was i mean for me at least it was so much more than that it was like i don't wake up with like uh a crushing sense of guilt like for overwhelmingly nothing you know like i just would wake up with this horrible feeling right like emotionally just like wrecked um and just to not have that right just to have that simple thing removed you wake up and you're like do what you're gonna do I'm like fucking whoa i mean you don't wake up uh pump up boards put on wetsuits sit for 90 minutes in a bay right waiting for a whale if you woke up with a hangover right it's like very unlikely you're gonna do that instead you're gonna go Ugh, and stay home sleep more snooze like it's not worth it yeah. and so you get that experience because you got sober and like think that that's really fucking valuable like Ooh. you get so much more when you're present in your life and you actually get to remember it too which i think is really really valuable too right like you remember all of the conversations you had last night right and you also get to get up and have rad experiences right um which like and if anyone's listening here who's like uh starting to get sober uh or trying it out or like what and you're like you know getting up you're like i don't even feel that good this is bullshit it gets better like it it is not and it's not that like every morning i wake up and I'm like i mean you see me wake up it's not like i'm like wazoo it's like the fucking day let's go right. like i don't jump out of bed every right. day and i'm like feel like a million bucks like right. there are days where i'm like oh god i would love to sleep more like you still are human right um, <laughs> like I, I read this thing like early on it was like it was like timeline of what happens when you get sober and it was like it was a piece of satire obviously and it's like yeah at one month you develop uh, x-ray vision at like three months you develop the ability to fly and it's like all these different things it's right like, yeah i mean it's not that but like it's just you get to the opportunity to do things right change right you get the opportunity to be present in your life and all of the um 
chances to live that that come with that, right? Right. Um, and I think that that's really rad. So uh, another thing that you get is your body, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is really fucking valuable. Like the athletic benefits of sobriety are fucking huge, specifically oh. around alcohol. Um, but right. I've heard other people talk about this when it comes to other inebriants. Um, I was sober for so long before I started training. Do you want to speak to this? <laughs> sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like I've only experienced it with my athletes, right? Like right. I've experienced my athletes getting sober. I've experienced people who got sober and started coming to me and ex- expressed how they felt. Um, but I've never felt it in, in my own physical self. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it's pretty pretty straightforward like if you uh you know you feel better um i mean there's a whole host of things like from an athletic performance standpoint there's like not really much of a worse thing you could do for your body than consume alcohol i mean there probably are don't test me on that it's bad uh drinking a coca-cola has more nutritional value than drinking a beer and i feel like that gets like fucking somehow perverted and like turned the other way anyway because you're, I mean, you think about it, it's like all those calories are sugar, right? Alcohol is fundamentally sugar. Right. Like when, when you digest food, it becomes alcohol. Therefore, if you drink alcohol, you're just skipping a lot of steps and going right to the fucking sugar. Right. And like, and then combined with that, the fact that it is, it is a poison and that requires uh, work and energy that could be diverted to other needs right. to get rid of it. Right. So right. like you are using up, uh, you know, micronutrients, uh, vitamins, minerals, all that kind of stuff to deal with the stress that you just put your body through. Right. So it um, doesn't have nutritional density. It right. doesn't, or value, it doesn't have, uh, and it also like delays and prevents recovery. Right. Um, even in moderate amounts, like this whole fucking moderate amount thing is like kind of whatever. Oh my God, it's so weird. Like, the drink a beer after trail run right like drink a beer after a workout like this like just one beer situation thing is very strange to me right um also like small recommendation uh there's a book by an author named jared diamond called the third chimpanzee um where he kind of talks about the like uh why we use inebriants as a species right like from an external perspective like you don't you do see some animals getting inebriated not very many right. um why do humans do it so fucking prolifically right and why is it like almost a hallmark of our species right um and uh and and i found that to be like really 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 enlightening um spoiler alert they drink kerosene anyway yeah i mean it's like and it comes back to like yeah i mean a little bit of poison's better than a lot of poison right um but like uh, you know it's the best case scenario is, is, is zero poison. Right. Um, you know, unless you're uh, trying to prove to someone that you can drink a lot of poison. Right. To prove that you are tougher, which is, I think, ultimately, you know, like, that's what a lot of, it gets couched in all these other things, but, like, that's what drinking culture is, right? Like, holding your liquor and all this fucking It's bullshit. It's proving you can do it. Right. And, uh, and, and I also think, like, on the nutritional side, uh, it's really fucked because so many people want to be leaner. And you're, you're screwing yourself on two sides, right? Um, you have all these empty calories and also you're stressing your body out super bad. And so it thinks that it might need to store lots of calories. Um, then I guess if I could add a third sort of hidden one, 
the things that we do to deal with hangovers are usually weight gaining activities. Yeah, it's usually greasy food. It's yeah. usually greasy food or more alcohol or being lazy and feeling like garbage. Right. Um, and so like the the like athletic benefits and that you, that you get are not just the things that um that are positive about being about being sober, but it's actually just like the things that you don't do that are negative. Right. It's right. Like, <laughs> right. And, and like it's just like you uh you know like for me a lot of it, a lot of it was like uh going to bed at a, at a consistent and reasonable time. Right. Um, and getting up. Um, more reasonable time and right. like a clarity of a mental clarity um and like snatching hungover is not something i recommend to, to anybody so i just had a second to think about uh how gnarly snatching with a hangover has to be yeah i almost killed myself <laughs> it was like very literally almost took my head off with a barbell <laughs> um okay so i feel like i'm deferring to you a lot with some things because like of my not getting sober in my adult <laughs> life, right? right. Um, so, like, I I had a, like, I have a lifelong sobriety, right? Uh, which is weirdly rare. I have not met almost anybody who uh, has just been sober for basically their entire lives. Yeah, I mean, other than religious uh, reasons, I've never met anyone else. Right, right, yeah. right, and like, it's it's wild because I come from like a fairly gritty background of like punk rock and hardcore right. and like lower class shenanigans and like whatever else so like it's interesting but like i wanted to talk uh for a second about feelings okay can um, i circle back to one more benefit before we dive into that fuck yeah we could we could just keep circling back to benefits we I mean, can just pepper them in this is like this is one of those ones that just like completely like, it's so obvious and it's completely blindsided me and it's like highly related to the, like the first question of that was rooted in fear of like what do you do yeah and like the answer to that is like whatever the fuck you want like, <laughs> the benefit of time right it's like crazy which now feels insane oh my like, god and money well, oh my god yeah that was, those are two things i did early on is i kept track of how much i wrote down like how much time a week and this is like anyway like a calculating app it's just like running totals of like how much money and time i was spending right and like those things were highly motivating for me um early on i was like whoa i'm giving a lot of time and money back um, and now it seems crazy because I'm like, how did I ever have time for anything? Like, my life is so full. The amount of times that I have uh, sat down and been like, y'all are spending that much money? I am poor as shit right now. How? Oh. How are you doing that? Well, and the one thing that blew my mind is like, it was like, you know, it's like, it's never, or for me at least, I mean, I can't speak to anyone else, but like, you know, my experience didn't start with going to uh, Hawaii and uh, going on, but like big trips. And, you know, it didn't start with like big things. Nah, right? that should start with me. Yeah, that's accurate. Um, <laughs> but like walking around my neighborhood on like a Friday or a Saturday morning and just kind of like walking around, like I was uh, I think an hour and a half. I'm just going to like kind of cruise around. Things are okay and like the sun's coming up. And I don't know, like these like simple, simple things of like I have a little bit of time, like. Uh, like walk around and like think about what I want to eat and just like exist in your body and brain. Jesus Christ, that was like utterly foreign on like uh, you know like a weekend to have that time and space. Um, for for context, um, you know I got uh, I got sober and then uh, a couple months later, this thing called COVID started. So then it went from oh like, yeah I forgot about that you got sober like right before COVID. Yeah, so having like uh, time to be like oh, that's my time to going to having like. Oh God! So much time. So much time, and then that quickly changed and whatnot. But like, 
that was a wild experience. So anyway, like the gift of 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 time was was and continues to be just baffling to me. So I'm gonna use uh, benefit to to kind of like to to dive back into feelings. I I I was thinking about it when when you were talking about walking around the neighborhood, but like one of the other things that you get out of sobriety is uh, communication, and I actually can. Speak speak to feelings from that perspective, right? Because I grew up in a family of alcoholics. We didn't communicate about the problems that we were having. Um, instead uh, of, of communicating about them, and we would just wake up the next day and act like they didn't happen. Mm -hmm. and, and it didn't really occur to me until like literally right now that like it's because nobody was feeling their feelings, right? right? So like it kind of comes out in these like, you know, inebriated, explosive ways, but then you, you go right back into feeling not your feelings right. as, as quickly as you can. And how interesting that is that like that breaks connection in a really aggressive way, right? Because right. You, you, you can't feel your feelings, therefore you can't communicate about your feelings, therefore you repress them with, with alcohol and drugs, therefore you can't truly be commu connected because there is not trust. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. and so like, that's a really interesting thing. Like you get the benefit of those things and on the flip side of it, it is really detrimental to your relationships to not have those things. Um, yeah. and like, you know, I, I don't want to dive into this huge tangent about how like, God, do we live in an alcoholic culture? Like yes. where we, we all do that as a matter of practice without questioning how, how detrimental it is. Right. Um, so, so anyway, uh, you, you got sober and started feeling your feelings. This is something you've talked about a lot and mm -hmm. like, I think is, is really cool and interesting. Yeah, it was a while. I mean, it's like, I think I touched on this earlier, like the, f the first thing and the most, I think the most fundamental thing is developing a new relationship with honesty, right? Like, and, um, you know, I don't think I thought of myself as a particularly like dishonest person prior. I wasn't like, I'm going to lie and trick people and all that kind of stuff. Like, it wasn't like, it's not my personality. Uh, dishonesty of omission of like of not addressing something of just kind of ignoring it um, was well it... it doesn't have to be that you don't communicate your feelings right it can be that you just avoid feeling them at all cost right and therefore you're not going to communicate them because you're not feeling them right and it's like it's a it's like a fear of even looking at them and getting honest with your own feelings right so like you don't even know that you're not addressing them right right um, so like starting to um, sit with them right with more time um, and being like, oh, 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 these are here. Right. Um, it like kind of forces the issue or it, for me, at least it forced the issue, right? right. Like, it forced the issue of like, uh, oh, that's the thing that you, you feel. Um, and, and, um, knowing that like numbing it and ignoring it wasn't really an option. It just like, it's kind of like, I think of, you know, you've got someone knocking at your door, knocking at your door, knocking at your door. And like, you, you like, you don't have, uh, the guard dog anymore or whatever. Right. right? Like to to like scare it away to to quiet it and right. you like gotta open up the door and let it in and like i think this is a thing i talk about a lot where it's like you know feelings are um are meaningful you let them in doesn't mean you gotta let them stay in the basement right. and take up your whole life which right. is another thing because i was like i'm such a like all or nothing personality right. um it's like cool i'm gonna feel the fuck out of these things and like right. they're real and like i'm gonna attach that and realizing like you can feel things and they may or may not be true or they're useful that they give you information that matters and then moving on right like yeah and like you know i'm not it's interesting it's like it's a skill right like anything else and i'm like you know realizing like got a lot better 
Um, and you have to build that skill because you weren't building that skill before. Right. And like I lived a lot of my life, adult life, not building that skill. Right. Like building other tools, other ways of dealing with things. Right. And um, so, you know, it's like I feel very much like uh, it's like re-parenting, re-adolescence kind of a feeling sometimes. Like you're like, whoa, this is crazy. Right. Back to the feel like you're 17. There's a, there's a bad side to that too where you're like, I'm volatile as shit. But it's like, fucking hard. But like you get to see that volatility and you get to fix it. Right. Like you, you get the opportunity to show up for yourself in that way. Right. And it's like, and you get to own it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So like, I, I think like I want to take a second to say like, it isn't just inebriance that you can get addicted to and run from your feelings and your life. Like you can get addicted to work. You can get addicted to scrolling. Uh, Brian's holding up his iPhone, um, and I think, like, I think social media is a really, I don't want to say hidden, because we've got some docu documentaries about it, and, like, it's an accepted, it's like a new form of accepted addiction. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I'm totally addicted to social media, something I hear on a fairly regular basis, right. and that's, that's not good. That means that when you start feeling bad, you look for the dopamine hit on your phone, right. and phones are actually easier to access than uh, than alcohol and inebriant. So, it's like more dangerous in a lot of ways. So, like, I I don't want to imply that like being sober means that all of these problems go away and you no. have access to yourself. Like, you have to continue to work in our modern world to not uh, fall into addictive patterns. And like, certainly as a straight edge kid, like, I have had to like really see that because like I am a hundred percent a dry addict and I always have been and I always will be and like as a result like I can get fucking addicted to anything and that isn't to downplay uh addictions that really take over people's lives and really damage them I'm not you know throwing around these things flippantly like I I have really really damaged my life by getting addicted to really really negative behavior patterns like working too much like scrolling like these things so I think it's really important to say that like you know being sober from from alcohol is critical but like uh the lifelong practice of being connected to yourself is something that all of us should strive to to move towards uh especially those of us with this like addictive all-or-nothing personality yeah like i mean i've said this before but like i'm really grateful that like um you know i'm really grateful that because it gives me the opportunity to develop those tools that benefit other parts of life where like that same behavior patterns could show up right or do right. show up and it gives me some sort of tools some sort of like ability to get reconnected with feelings life honesty all these kinds these, these practices that the, that have served me and have served a lot of people uh, right and like without that acknowledgement without that 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 I, you know it would be a lot harder for me Right. And like, it's funny because I have expressed like uh, jealousy of AA because like I was never, uh, um, I know that there's like all kinds of shit now, codependence, anonymous right. and like whatever else. But like, I, I really feel like the community around adult sobriety is really strong and like present and the steps are incredibly beneficial to like literally your life. And, and if, and if you work the program right, it's like free incredible supportive therapy it's cognitive and behavioral like, therapy yeah and like a rebuilding of your life and like yeah. in a way that i think is incredibly beneficial to a lot of people who don't drink really as a problem right. um and like that community and the uh routine of it and and like all of it i'm like fuck i wish that there was that 
but um you know straight edge isn't a thing anymore really and whatever else um the other thing I wanted to say is like uh I've I've referenced the fact that I come from like an alcoholic background and and culture with my family and like um that doesn't change overnight but the thing that did change overnight is that everybody in my immediate family is sober now um and that's newer that's within the last 10 years and it was like a painful challenging process for everybody to be involved with but like you can get sober at any point in your life you can decide to change your life in whatever way and like reclaim it there is no too late and i think that that's really really critical to say um and i also think it's like really critical in my own personal narrative that like the the people that um that like engaged in that chose to stop engaging in that and Mm -hmm. and as a result like we've had some like really frank conversations about uh about our relationship being much, much tighter now. Right. And that's something that, like, is easy to forget on a daily basis that, like, you know, um, you can have you can have really amazing restorative connections at, at any point in a relationship. Right. Like, for me, it was really, really easy to get into, like, the catastrophizing is too much, too late, all that stuff. And, like, right. You know, you know, you know, I just, like, look around and it's like, that just is not, that just simply is not true. Like, wherever you're at. Right. Uh, it's like, wherever you're at, you're going to make it better. Right, exactly, exactly. And, like, the, you know, I'm really proud of the people who have made that decision. Totally. Like, especially my my family because um, because of, like, the length of time that they were not sober. And then becoming sober is a really fucking hard thing to do. And, like, to, like, make the effort to, to be connected to your loved ones is, like, that's something I'm, like, really intensely proud of and always will be. Yeah, and I think, like, one of the like, big hesitancies in, like, kind of, like, taking the step and, like, being like, okay, I'm going to be sober forever. Right. Um, is a natural fear of uh, permanence, which this is right. another thing, probably another episode altogether. Right. But, like, also just a fear of, like, people being like, you've been sober for, you know, like, first fucking week, oh, my God, they're like... I was like, they're gonna, I'm gonna, come, they're, I'm gonna walk in there and be like six days, like, mm. <laughs> and like, it could not possibly have had a more opposite of that experience. People yeah. were like, hell yeah, like, so glad you're here. Like, no matter where, you know, it's like the the celebration, the support of like the recognition of anyone who's been through has contact with that, right, and has experienced any level of that, right, is gonna be like, hell yeah, like, yeah. you're making a good choice, right, and like that's worthy of celebrating. All the rest of that shit isn't like nothing, right? We'll address it, right? But like this part is right. fucking celebratory, right? Like in no uncertain terms, this thing, right? One day, seven years, fifty years, whatever, like right. fuck yeah, yeah. So, um, clear. I think clear. Okay. Um. All right. So. <laughs> I want to come back and get that Zapatista activism sobriety thing uh, down at some point. Yeah, I want to jam on that episode. So that'll be an episode uh, at some point in the future, but we're going to break it down with a media corner. Media corner, which I think I wrote down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. uh, God. Um, I'm going to talk about a book that is in no way new, which is a thing that I do pretty often. Just talk about something that's been out for like, 34, oh my god, a long time. Anyway, uh, it's Blood Meridian, or the, it has a longer title, which I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but Cormac McCarthy. Um, basically, I was, I'm really into this book. I don't know the name of it, but... I mean, it's commonly referred to as Blood Meridian. I think it's like the evening redness in the West or something like that. Uh, it is about periods. Not accurate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, very conspicuously absent from most of correct. It's hard for the writing. He's been interviewed about it. He says, I am, uh, as a, a not woman, I don't know how to write uh, women characters very well. Um, it's just, it's just, I, I was like, okay. Um, it's weird he wrote a whole book. No, sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, it is an absolutely, like, if you are uh, stomach easily turned, uh, if violence and the depravity of humans upsets you in any way, skip this one. It is dark as shit. Um, it's like set in uh, the late 19th century, a bunch of like uh, marauding band of uh, 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 basically mercenaries cruising through Mexico and southern southwest, just killing everything. Um, but like the reason I really, really like it is there's like this most, just, like this character, and I think most people who are drawn to this book are drawn to it for this reason. From what I understand, it's like this character, the judge, who's just like this bizarre blend of he's the worst person you've ever thought about. He just does horrible, unspeakable things, um, but speaks speaks eloquently, uh, analyzes the world, wants to understand every single thing, um, and is like a scientist and a poet, and just like seems like an impossible human. Um, he's described as like a giant baby, very disturbing character. Um, but like some of his speeches about like about the, the nature of the universe just, like, are really grounding to me, which is weird. I mean, I'm deeply into true crime, so it doesn't take much for me to, like, be like, yeah, let's dig into the depravity of humanity. <laughs> right. And, like, definitely there. But, like, anyway, I really... It's some of, the, like, some of the most... Really just... I love the writing style. And, um... Set, find myself, like, playing these words over my head often. Um, but just, like, a profound appreciation for nature... Well, also, like, objectively not being a good person. Um, I think it's an interesting combination and, like, really forces your hand to think about some things. Right. Um, it is not, yeah, like, it, that makes you do work as a reader. And I really have been thinking about that a lot lately, uh, about about the importance of words and words that, um, that require some work and that are not easily digestible. Because I think we were talking about this last night, that, like, the commodification of language and the shortening of, of everything leads to, like, this efficiency of language which leads to like kind of a dullness of it and this is a book that is is proudly in defiance of that it is not easy it is dense and has nuanced meaning and requires like you to you to work and to like potentially put up with some stuff that you don't really want to read about which i think is important i mean i think discomfort is something that is being rapidly stripped out of our modern lives yeah um and being replaced with a different kind of discomfort, which is a really interesting thing. So uh, I don't want to dive into this because we digress way too much, but like what you're referring to is uh, a conversation that we had last night about how um, the way that we are communicating over apps that commodify our experience um, has created an attention-seeking culture that has caused um, the shortening of language and uh, for language to be put into like a more pragmatic package, uh, WTF, LOL. Uh, also just sh- Twitter, you know, 140 characters, whatever else. And like, uh, so we've been forced into these um, tiny bits of communication that um, have caused many ways that even us as uh, older millennials uh, were used to communicating. Um, self-deprivating jokes right. are, are part of it. Like. Um, alliterative language is uh, it kind of goes away because if you're texting 
it doesn't come across right unless you've heard people say that a bunch of times and we're rapidly moving towards a society that uh that doesn't spend quality connective time right. with each other instead we have these little snippets and that that is that is not amazing and so um old uh literature uh can sometimes come through and be like no we're way before that and uh instead we're going to spend a lot of time in this uncomfortable place communicating about discomfort right and i think that that's really really interesting and that that discomfort is important and uh the reason that i like gave that you know three minutes to that little diatribe was like i think that that's really valuable when it comes to like the the topic at hand here right because becoming sober is is intentionally becoming less comfortable for the sake of better connection to self and others and experience in life which is just kind of cool but um my media corner is media corner. the mlk tapes which oh, shit, yeah. is a podcast that is still actively coming out uh about the uh assassination of martin luther king and deep diving into the inconsistencies of that story. Um, Some of the details of the story you shared with me are just straight up bonkers. So, so wild. And uh, I keep like, um, I keep moving towards uh, specifically black struggle lately. I read the like warmth of other suns mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I didn't really mean to, to fall into the MLK tapes. It, it actually was like, um, talked about in another podcast and so I, I popped into it but uh, conspiracy theory is something that I think is really interesting and um, the assassination of Martin Luther King was like a fucking massively pivotal moment in our culture mm -hmm. um, that was uh, the narrative of which was controlled to uh, create a control of uh, a social movement that was really like uh, in incredibly important mm -hmm. and I I cannot possibly recommend this podcast enough and it's supposed to be i think 11 episodes and i'm i think we just got to episode seven or eight um and like some of the some of the ways that this narrative has been controlled have really like affected the way that i saw history yeah. um and historical context and um so i'm just gonna leave it there um, and I think it, I think it's also really important that we, we know more about why that narrative was what it, what it was and, um, and maybe start to create a more accurate narrative in our current world, which is still struggling with a lot of the same things in a lot of the same ways in a really fucked up way. Yeah. Well, Okay. <laughs> That was like a long monologue. That's yeah. a lot of me talking. I like that. I like that. that was, yeah, it's like a, that's like solid sell on it. Like, um, uh, weightlifter of the week. Weightlifter of the week. I'm gonna go with uh, my guy Grant, um, who's been uh, doing a, you know, doing a really good job. And it's just like I think I there's common patterns in like the the like uh, weightlifters that pop up in my mind, and it's just like. It's a fun thing that uh, I've gotten to do. I've had the luxury of s introducing people to the sport of weightlifting and then see them, um, see it change them. And like, this is one of those clear examples. Like, um, he started lifting in a backyard during COVID and like, you know, it was like learning the movements of weightlifting. And now, um, you know, it's like 
he's he's uh, dedicated a lot of time to it and like has gotten a lot better and like um, you know like all these sorts of like physical changes but just like seeing someone like go through that experience is one of my greatest stories of a coach of seeing someone go from like uh, baby lifter right mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. to uh, like a collective calm focused athlete right right like where it's like they walk up to the bar they know what they're they like they know what they're gonna do with that bar right and like whatever's on it like that feeling is like the thing that I wish you know it's like that's the most important thing to me to get to right where like someone walks up to the bar and they're like I don't know what I'm gonna do with this thing I mean I could uh, the thing I think is cool about weightlifters is generally tend to carry themselves with like a kind of a quieter um definitely like a quieter grace like um which I think is is a cool leadership quality um so it's just fun been fun to watch fuck I love that I recently heard um confidence defined as uh the belief in competent repetition and I really really like that in the context of uh of lifting yeah obviously um but like you know the belief that you can do something and again and and do it well and like that's what you know that's what building a lifter is it's like building the confidence to know that the next time you try to do this thing you'll be able to do it well and it's really important because you're often doing things that you didn't know you could do previously right um so my uh I, I had chosen a weightlifter of the week. It was my sister-in-law who is back to uh, training and just takes on everything with like positivity and, and grace and enthusiasm that is like inspiring on a daily basis. But like the more I think about it, the more I just want my weightlifter of the week to be all of my fucking athletes right now. Yeah. So like uh, we just went through a really hard three week squat program and like the amount that oh my god I might cry uh the amount that like watching my athletes show up for themselves to do a fucking hard thing that becomes harder and harder and harder as the program moves on and and hitting the last week where very often um or I shouldn't say that uh, many of many of the lifters uh were were doing 30 repetitions of a weight that they did not previously do. So like above their PR and hitting it for 10 fucking sets. So like 10 times, and this is excluding all of the times that you thought about it previously, but 10 times in, uh, in a gym environment, you looked at a barbell that had a weight on it that a month ago you didn't know you could hit for one and you walk up to it and you hit it for three. And then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you do it again, and uh, and it and it just like was so fucking inspiring, um, and and like incredible in, in terms of in terms of that confidence, right? Yeah. Like the the belief that that we could do it all together and do it again and again and again. Um, even though life is hard and uh, struggles didn't go away during those three weeks, right. life didn't become easier during those three weeks. Right, it doesn't pause and sit itself in the vacuum nicely while you're like, I'm going to do the squat cycle. Right. Uh, yeah. um, a good amount of lifters several times just showed up, did the squats, and then left. No accessories, no nothing, nothing else. Um, yeah. You know, they're doing it when it's dark, when it's cold, when it's raining, um, early mornings, late nights, in between, you know, things in other in, in other areas of your life. But... but but showed up and, and and did it and completed it and I didn't mean for this to happen but my birthday is going to be test day um, so that's gonna be really fun um, this oh. I have no idea if this will be out by then um, because Almost we are so not much. organized we just finally got a second to sit down and record this so we'll see if I can remember yeah, almost certainly not but I tried <laughs> 
uh, I, I listen to your podcast a lot, and they're always like, yeah, this will come out on this date. I'm like, fuck, you're organized. It's like, like either tomorrow or next week. Right. My <laughs> other podcast, the person who edits it, edits it, were like, oh, shit, I never even put that out, like, two days ago. So yeah. it just, like, came out. Like, nothing comes out in a schedule anymore, and... I think that that's, uh, that's indicative of our current uh, existence in this weird pre, or not pre, but like current slash post slash I don't know COVID I have no idea where we're slash at. what the fuck is happening with our society. Everything is bonkers yeah. um, in an accelerating way. So yeah. uh, on that note, one wrap snacks. Ooh, my one wrap snack is Impossible Chicken Nuggets. Impossible Chicken Nuggets. Um, I mean, if I need to sell you on Chicken Nuggets... Just you're dead inside? You're dead inside. You're, you need to <laughs> probably reconnect with what it is. Have you heard of a waffle? Yeah. Have you like, heard of maple syrup? Put that shit together and try a, t- try a little nug. I'm just, that's a great call. And like, yeah, if you're in that point where a chicken nugget doesn't make you excited, like, just call somebody, call me. Like, I'll get you excited about it. They're delicious. They have, you can put them in sauce. You can put them on waffles. Sweet, spicy, tangy, whatever. You put them in a sandwich. You put them in a sandwich. That shit put them in real. Good. Yeah. <laughs> The end goal of the chicken nugget is to put it in your mouth. Um, <laughs> chewing, advised. Um, <laughs> they're delicious. They taste like they taste like chicken. They're just so good. They're just so good. They're just so good. They're just like, so good. Um, Impossible is a brand, by the way, um, right. and uh, they're plant-based chicken nuggets. Uh, protein from plants. Who knew? Who knew? Um, everybody. Mine uh, is Gardein Jerky. Oh, shit, what? Um, Gardein Jerky is uh, a little bit too expensive for what it is, but when I look at uh, meat animal jerkies, they're really expensive, too, so I guess it's pretty comparable. Um, Specifically, the teriyaki jerky, uh, slice of apple, slice of jerky, fuck me up. That's the perfect travel travel food. It's so Um, good. The macros are amazing. It tastes amazing. Um, It's not as stringy as other things, like... um, Primal strips have previously been my, like, go-to pr- uh, jerky situation. Uh, spicy Thai peanut. It's not too spicy. It's so good. Get it's it. the appropriate um, amount of Thai peanut. It's the appropriate amount of Thai peanut. Now we travel with them and rip them up and make them into stir-fry. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but they kind of get stuck in my teeth, and the uh, Gardein jerky doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, so it's just, it's just fucking good. It's good. It's travel food. It's high-protein. And... Um, you put it with an apple and it's a win. It goes great with an apple. Yeah, yeah, totally. And we've eaten that, like, on the trail. We've eaten that on airplanes. We've eaten that on boards. We've yeah. eaten that everywhere. Right. Eat it with a, you know, eat it on a board. Eat it, uh, <laughs> um, eat it on a whale. Uh, so, y'all know where to find us. Um, yeah. Show we, notes. Totally. Uh, we have classes now, so we're welcoming new athletes every day, uh, which is really fucking exciting. Yeah. Um, watching the community and culture come together um, after all of the things that all of us have been through has been just an incredible experience. Um, we have classes four days a week now, yeah. and we also have remote programming available. We have remote personal training available. Mm-hmm. Um, and I currently have space for... Of more one-on-one athletes, right? Um, and yeah, we got the got a lot of people on the on the remote programming, the custom programming, which is fucking really really fun to watch. You are that. really crushing it. Yeah. Um, so it's really really exciting. Um, but yeah, so we're welcoming new athletes. If you want to be uh, involved with like 
resilient strength if you want to be on team resilient if you want to party with us like reach out hell yeah we have space yeah uh, first yeah. class you want to come check out our class first one's free see right. if you see if you dig it when you do we'll get you going and we got weightlifting powerlifting and it's a good party time right 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 so uh so check us out you know if you want to work with us that's some ways that you can work with us if you want to just be involved in some shit that we're doing you can find us on social media all those links are in the show notes and all that stuff and um if you are on apple podcasts it would be super fucking cool if you just like are like cool this is this great podcast fantastic these people are great and then you just like rate and review us that would really help us out so. yeah and like don't feel like you guys gotta like if you just like if you feel like we're great you can just say that that'd be super you can just say that if you don't think we're great you can just stfu and get the fuck out of here yeah or like <laughs> privately send me some feedback that'd be great too <laughs> I'm open to that, but um, STFU is always an option. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on that note, uh, we're fucking back. Yeah. What up? Uh, reach out if you want to be on our show, if you want to, you know, uh, hear us rant and rave about some bullshit um, that you've been thinking about. Uh, reach out. We want to hear from you. Yeah, it's really, really fun to, fun to be back doing this. So bye, y'all, for now. Okay, bye. <laughs>